Uh, welcome back to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I'm not retitling this podcast. This is just Dave Perloff taking over as your host. And I'm here with my guest today, Jesse Kester. Hello. Welcome. Uh, Thank you. Do you need anything? Uh, coffee, tea? I'm good. The caffeine is winding down. I'm not vibrating anymore like I was an hour ago. I feel like we should be speaking like this doing this music. The Queen's English. I've never actually heard this part yeah, of the song there's because more. it always. I was just thinking. So that song, when when I would call anyone who had like Nextel back mm-hmm. when that was a thing, and they, there was this way that they could make this the ring that you would hear on the other end before they pick up, and it would go to voicemail and stop at that point. So I'd never actually heard this part of the song. <laughs> now uh, I'm also your tech. There's another two and a half minutes of this song. Do you want me to fade it out, or do you want the full? Um. I don't know. We could we could just fade it out. All right. It's very elegant. We didn't know it was yeah, we kind of fell off there a little bit. Fade out. Okay, Jesse. Um one of the things that we talked about when you were hosting the show. Part one of this two part series. Uh, that I want to get back to is God. Because we, we kind of put a pause on that when you brought yeah, up guns. No, that's I was one like, of my no, wait a minute. Topics. God, you can wait. We've got guns now. Well, <laughs> God's got all the time in the world. Don't you find it kind of strange that if we're looking at the way things are politically, as far as religion goes, mm-hmm. in America, that is, most of the God people... Most of the God-cherishing people, the Christians, mm-hmm. are also gun owners. Mm-hmm. Is that just me being? Am I? Am I just being too? Um, uh, this, <laughs> if I may, if I may, yeah, yeah go for it. Um, there's a. I think that there is a, a perception gap going on. I don't know that the majority of Christians are also gun owners. But the majority of noisy, obnoxious Christians <laughs> sure are gun owners, and they are drowning out the people of faith who live a peaceful life and live to influence others with the beauty also, of, of divinity. let's not get it twisted. You can be a gun owner and totally live a, a faithful life, or whatever you just said. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can live the Bible correctly and yeah. own guns. They're yeah. not mutually exclusive. Yeah. It's just the loudest the loudest gun owners and the most obnoxious gun owners and the loudest Christians and the most obnoxious Christians. There seems to be overlap in that Venn diagram. And that's why we're thinking that along those lines. Yeah. The ones that are peaceful stay quiet. Wouldn't, wouldn't be making that much noise, would they? It's, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, it's it, the world it, we live in today. It tracks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to get back and, and ask you about your agnosticism. Don't you go to church? Weekly. Love church, love studying. And And it's... Yes? You're just saying agnostic because you're not like 100% sure that what you're going to church for is actual? I am 0% sure of anything, 100% unsure of everything. (laughs) And I don't blame you, and I don't blame anybody that is. And I I think it's kind of silly for... 
for someone to be like, no, without a doubt, hundred percent, there's definitely a God, you know, because you've never seen him. You've never talked to him. You've never, you can have this sort of sixth sense feeling mm-hmm. of like vibes or whatever you want to call it, that there's, that things are working in your favor or against you and that it's some force that's beyond your control guiding these things. But I just, I just don't want to, I, I think everybody has a, should have a shred of doubt. You about know, about uh, God? About God, yeah. But also about not just the existence or the idea of God, but religious practitude or whatever. Okay, let, let me talk a little bit. Let me speak on agnosticism for a minute, if yeah. I may. Um First thing, I'm talking dyed-in-the-wool agnostic. You can't convince me that this table is between us right now. Because at its core level, the table is made up of atoms, and atoms are made up of electricity, and electricity isn't a physical thing that you can hold in your hand and drop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point, and even... Atoms are like 99.999% nothing and then a little bit of electric charge. Atoms are nothing but empty space and electricity. So, boo, I think a lot of times we think on human terms and how our lives go where we are bound by time and bound by space. Mm -hmm. And we try and make sense of things that if you do have a faith that there's something else for after this span of time and space life as we know it i need to issue an on-air uh apologies and omissions mm -hmm. uh we were talking about god and divinity and afterlife a couple of episodes ago Mm -hmm. and i said that nothing happens after you die with conviction Mm -hmm. that after you die it's going to be just like it was before you were born, the exact same feeling, whatever you felt before you were born, that's what you're going to feel after you die. Mm -hmm. And my mother called me and she said, you sound as stupid as an evangelist when you speak with certainty about the afterlife. So on air apology, Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to come out swinging that hard. These are all just opinions. I know. Yeah. That's all we're talking. We all know that we know nothing. Listen, I'm, I'm listening, baby. You don't have to tell me to listen. I'm very open-minded to all possibilities. And, and I'm also never going to tell you how silly you are for believing something or not believing in something or whatever. I'm just saying that in my experience, mm-hmm. there are certain things that have happened. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but there's just certain experiences that I've had that have oddly proven any doubts that I've had wrong to the degree that I wanted to believe. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? A lot of it is faith. And if these same experience that I've had happened to somebody who doesn't have faith, they wouldn't look at it that way, you know? And so like you were saying earlier, it really is just interpretation. Yeah. And and like I said, if you're looking for it, you will see it. It's like if if, if you know somebody is deaf... Well, how do you communicate with them? Well, you sign language, you know? So if there's a God and if he wishes to communicate with us, then he's going to choose the right avenues to get our attention. And uh, that's that's all I was saying by that, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of people are really into numbers. Uh, 
and they they see number messages and numbers all the time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And and I can get down with that, you know. I'm so suspicious because people look up in the sky and they see the Big Dipper and they see Orion. Well, but we just, just said we're imprinting that on what randomly organized dots. Yeah, yeah. So, are you agnostic about stars and other other life and other on other, other planets? Yeah, I mean, like the other suns, basically, is what uh, we're seeing. If we're talking other life, it seems more probable than improbable. Is it? Why is it more probable? Because of the sheer number of stars. Okay. And then the sheer number of habitable planets that would be in orbit of those stars. Like when you have as close to infinity as you can get without being infinity, a number of stars mm-hmm. in the universe. Mm-hmm. And let's say that ours is the average, that the average number of planets orbiting a star is 10. Mm-hmm eventually one of them, the conditions will be right for life to form. Would you say it's safe to say that at some point in time, at some point in the past or the future, on one of these planets, are there two people sitting here talking about how there's other life somewhere else right now? On another planet? Yeah. I would say yes. Yeah. Because... So that's that seems like a stretch, though, right? That that light years away, mm-hmm. there's not necessarily humans, but two entities conversing about possible kind of big other philosophical entities like questions that are based on scientific the, understanding. Yeah, the fact that Earth is so big, so vast, and we we think of a state like Rhode Island, we're like, yeah, that's small, you know, because it's the smallest state, and whatever, whatever. But it's actually a pretty big place mm-hmm. on the span of, you know, probably like billions of me's would take up Rhode Island or whatever. So then we. That's actually so then when you how think I measure space is in, in uh, Rhode Island. In Dave Perloff's. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there's a lot of me going around. How many, how many square DPs is that? It's <laughs> 7,000 square DPs. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that. If you think in terms of us, mm-hmm. then the universe just seems impossibly, ridiculously too big. And why in the heck are there all these stars? They're not just for us to gaze at, right? Mm-hmm. They're not just like, uh, they're not just out at night. We can only see them at night because there's no sun rays blocking them or whatever, whatever. But either way, why would we? believe that there are other places that don't have what we have, you know? And so tying it in with God, I almost feel like what's more ridiculous to believe in something that created us that is simply like, I don't know, watching us for entertainment purposes or Mm -hmm. whatever, or that there's billions of stars and that a lot of them have life and we'll never get to meet those people or whatever they are. You know what I mean? It's like when we we have science that can mm-hmm. like show us like this is the deal, but how believable is it? 
we're just taking what they told us and what we learned in school and whatever, and just having faith in it being right. None of us have ever traveled to a, a star far away and seen that it actually exists. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no camera could ever go to a place outside of the Milky Way or whatever, but, but somehow we know it exists, you know? And it's just interesting that we, we put so much faith in these things that people tell us that are just as unseen as God. You know, because some people would say, no, there is evidence of God and you just have to think in in a different dimension or something like that. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't, I'm not. But you're definitely on the better side if we were to call this an argument because I'm reaching. You know what I mean? It feels like. I'm reaching. to, To compare the intangibility of God to the intangibility of. Uh, rocks orbiting other I mean, sh- st- other suns. It's a bit of a stretch, mm-hmm. just because I don't have a lens in my kit that can see other planets orbiting other stars. Mm. Um, I ha- I have enough evidence of uh, planets or- orbiting our sun to say it's probably more likely than not that this is the experience of other stars if not all of them having 10 planets it seems like it happened it could happen again out there Mm. but uh, there's no there's no point of there's no base point of reference for for a monotheistic deity type figure for which i can say well i've seen this this godlike thing i got you so i imagine there's probably i have no argument for that I want to know what what do you get out of church? So much. So it's it's so much. I it's I, less faith based, but I it's more lifestyle for you. I <laughs> maintain that you will get more out of the Bible if you are skeptical of all of it mm-hmm. than if you believe all of it. They, they, there's mm-hmm. greater value in in that religion in all religious texts. Mm. There is greater value in all texts mm. if you approach it from a skeptical point of view as Where, opposed to a faith-based point of view when it comes to the bible specifically yes. i i'm skeptical of how much of this was altered they, surely it's a bunch of stories that were written in a time that's not now that has, could never have foreseen anything that we're doing these days yet it's supposed to stand the test of time like it was written to be timeless or, you know what I mean? Well, I, that's, that's why I think that, that, uh, approaching it without, without unmovable faith is, uh, is paramount to really appreciating the, the complexity and the beauty of the text. Mm. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's malleability over time mm. it is a huge part of that, that beauty. And like, but so like, let's say you're at church. Yes. And, a pastor, a priest, or whoever's doing the sermon, like brings up Jonah and the whale. Mm-hmm. You know that story? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm that to me seems a little hokey. You know, right? Yeah. And so there's, there's, what, what are you thinking when a, when a story like that is brought up in a way to try and, you know, I don't know, practice faith. Or to to show you a relatable thing to that 
that we're living in society now or something, you know? Because a lot of times these that's all it is, is just stories being told so that we can relate our lives and how we live to them and how they reacted or whatever. And that's how I... What, what you're describing is not the outlier. That's how I... When I open the Bible, that's how I'm opening it is... Mm. Um, what what is the metaphor? Why does this story have mm-hmm. longevity in our in our subconscious mind? Why is this story able to survive thousands of years and be told and retold and retold and retold? Because it's a cult, <laughs> so that's, to speak. That's the you know it's the largest cult in the world, so to so to speak. Well, that, I'm not sure which is larger, but I think it's Christianity, right? That that has the most followers. Religious people could be. I thought we'll take callers whenever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyone can call in. What was the question? Oh, just um, why um, when you're when you're hearing stories like that, like Jonah and the whale, mm-hmm. and you're going into skepticism uh, immediately. Like, what are you thinking when a a very normal, like very practical? looking person is is up there speaking to everyone about how real this guy living inside of a whale's body is you know like you go to church mm-hmm. and you're agnostic i'm asking what do you what you're getting out of it if you're filled with doubt and um, you know if if a preacher or a pastor is approaching these stories as if they are truth i don't think they did their job as a scholar mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, 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 a religious leader who is saying this actually happened mm. won't hold my interest for very long because that's such a basic interpretation of what these texts possess. Sure. That uh, why why would I need somebody else to tell me that the words that are written here are no deeper than the literal interpretation of what's being said. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can do that on my own. What I want to hear from a pastor or a preacher are the ways we can interpret these stories. What does it mean to be in the belly of a whale? What does that emotionally mean for us? Cause it's not, mm-hmm. I don't even know that I've seen a whale in my lifetime. I've seen Wait. pictures of a whale, but I've right. never seen one in real life. Me neither. Yeah. So th- not only like, like the idea of, Interacting with a whale, much less being inside of one, mm-hmm. has very little relevance in my day-to-day life. Mm. But the feeling of being inside of a whale, the feeling of being uh, far from the possibility of of hope again, mm. that's not so far. And that's not so far from anyone's life. We've all experienced that. So that's that's when the texts get interesting and why I think that their longevity is worth studying is because there is something going on underneath the surface. And there's stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm you, would gonna, Would you say that? It, sorry. No, no, go for it. it. Would you say that it's very easily possible that the Bible, or at least like let's say the New Testament, for all intents and purposes, was mm-hmm. written by a bunch of different people and then never altered and never like things weren't added or taken away to maybe uh, construct society in a way that was more uh, or less malleable than. I mean, that's not even up for debate. The book has multiple different translations. Yeah. And um, in in those translations alone, as close as they might be in story, the nuance 
changes every like you can change everything with with uh, by reading between the lines. The, well, so one of the things that the Bible or the the religion sort of Christianity, and we know it's condemned. It condemns homosexuality and all this sort of stuff that I believe wasn't even a big deal back in those times. Like, well, then you, you get know? into another thing is that these and have been like, curated so much over so many years. What do you mean when you say those times? Like those times of Jesus from the first you know, thousands of years ago. From the first time the stories that evolved into what was the Old Testament were told orally till when they were written down till when the first stories of the New Testament were being told orally to when they were written down. Yeah. We're talking about thousands of years so, so of yeah. evolution. How do we even know that those stories, if they actually did happen, were mm-hmm. being told in the right way or or focused on the right points? Well, in that I can guarantee you that they were told in the right way because they have evolved in a way... In a mimetic way that that has latched on that it to can our, relate to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That these have these stories have evolved, but when, their what, genes are good, and they the stories did evolve to the point that they stuck. Wouldn't you agree though that because of how we live now, even differently than just a hundred years ago, that's why you're seeing the rise of atheism increase because it's less and le- further less and less away from. Um, sort of how we live nowadays. Like, um, even in the fifties, you know, a lot more people went to church. A lot more people separated time, or you know, um, made time for for this part of their life because whether or not you believed, it was just what you had to do, kind of a thing. It was just part of your culture. Now. Uh, because of how fast everything moves, because of how uh, different in uh, structure we live our lives, we don't even sit together at the dinner table with family anymore. It's all just, you know, it's so not um, structured. And and I feel like... Let me jump in for a yeah, second, yeah, if yeah, I may. Yeah, so... Something that doesn't get reported on is what's going right in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 80s in L.A., gang violence was colossal. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge problem across the city. Um, one of the biggest changes in gang-related violence and one of the... What might have been the, the, the biggest factor in reducing gang-related violence was the proliferation of cell phones. Because it meant that people of a certain age could chit-chat with each other without meeting up on the street corner. Mm. And if they weren't meeting up on the street corner, then the other people on the other street corner weren't starting shit with them. Mm. And then people weren't shooting each other. Instead, people were just sitting in their houses texting each other. That's interesting. So it's beautiful. It's a really beautiful thing. And, And gang violence has... As, as cell phone use goes up, gang violence goes down. But those people that weren't killed by gang violence have a higher risk of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but what so I'm, it all evens out. What I'm driving at is um, fewer people are going to church today than they were in the 50s. Yeah. Does that mean that fewer people are, are experiencing spirituality? 
I don't know. I wouldn't say that wouldn't that's say the, that. that's directly related. I would say that you are correct that fewer people go to church fewer on a weekly basis. are practicing religion in a group setting. Yeah. But does that mean that but. we are more distant from our spiritual selves? I don't mm. think that those two things correlate right, okay. at all. I think that that spiritual growth, honestly, I feel like the most spiritual growth I've done has happened alone and deep in thought. Mm. I'm not saying that that's the only way I've grown in my in my spiritual thought. So if I'm spending nine hours thinking, then I will spend one hour talking to other people and getting new ideas. And that means I got to go sit for another nine hours so, before I talk to people again about what I'm thinking. So then from what I'm gathering, then you enjoy church most because of the ability to expand your mind and deal with ideas that you never really spent too much time on or, or spent time downing or yes. And like, and you're uh, challenging your brain in a way. If you're, if you're good at filmmaking, you should go into accounting cause you're going to be making films. Like you're going to be playing with cameras no matter what happens, but uh, you're not going to be studying numbers. So when you go to college, if you have this, like this deep burning desire to make movies, mm-hmm. go become a CPA and then make movies because you'll be bringing a skill that everyone who went to film school won't have. That's interesting. Um, so I am a dyed in the wool agnostic, which means if I'm studying, I should be studying with the people who I feel are least like me and trying to understand what they're saying and what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Mm. Because we, when, when you talk about experiences that, that spoke to you, that, that, showed you with no doubt in your mind that there is a divine being Hmm. in in our lives. I have never had that experience because my brain isn't predisposed towards interpreting experiences that way. You know, I I probably never would have been, had any faith at all had I not been raised that way. You know what I mean? So So I agree with that. That's, I, I, it's, it behooves me to shut my mouth and listen to your experience Mm -hmm. in the world Mm Because that will bring the most value into my brain. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's part of the, the spine of the fishbowl is, uh, if you go back and listen to them, I try not to ever disagree with oh, the guests. Oh, of course. I, that's one of the I things. try to agree with them in a way that's true for me. Yeah. So, But just so you know, if there was anything that you disagreed with, I'd want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, I think I, I don't think. But you're not trying I, to be an antagonist about. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm trying to hear what the person is saying and think mm. about what the world might be like mm. if I felt or thought that same way. But aren't there moments where you're like, <laughs> like laughing, like what? That that doesn't make any sense, or I can't get down with that, or. Uh, that, yes, yes, and those moments are. And what do you do in those moments? I can tell you exactly what those moments are. And they don't come up much because I do try to steer the conversation away from them. Something that happens in LA is people talk about not on, I'm sorry, not on the podcast, but when you're at church, when I'm at church, like, aren't there things that you hear talked about or, you know, whoever's doing the talking, is there ever a time when you're like, well, I don't know if I'm, I can get down with that. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a fella who, when he sees me, uh, he, he asks me to step aside and he prays for me. We'll spend about two minutes. He'll put my hand, his hand on my shoulder. and Why? Uh, because it's important to him. But knowing that you're agnostic or not? Yeah, yeah, I'm up front. I won't. I got you. Yeah, I don't hide it, but I also don't make a scene about well, it. Well, no, it's, but, it's, it's interesting because 
But I tell yeah. him, like, you, you are allowed to pray for me, and I will do everything I can in my heart to receive it the way that you're sending it, but you got to know that I don't engage with prayer the same way you do because sure. I don't engage with God the same way you do. Mm. But the reality is, what if he's right and I'm wrong? Mm-hmm. Then if I reject, well, he is right because it's something he believes. Mm-hmm. And, and we are... Uh, Nobody's right or wrong. Yeah, to a certain degree, we're right in our beliefs, however wrong they might seem to other people. Uh, and, and I think it's important to engage other people as if they are right to the degree that Hitler thought he was doing the best thing he could with his time on Earth. Right. Like from, from Hitler's perspective, he was right. And before... I don't think he thought he was right, though. I thought he... Then why I think would he do it? Because he's evil and he likes it. There's people that like evil. But from their able. perspective, that's how they think that they should be behaving. That I seems, guess. I guess, yeah. And that's that's the extreme... I don't think... Like, I'm not saying that Hitler looked at himself as the villain or anything That's like what that. I mean, is he, he woke up and thought, like, this is what we're doing, and this is the best I can be doing with the time I have. Yeah, if he was that strong in his convictions... Sure. I don't know that he thought and verbalized it in that that right. peaceful manner, but it was more like I don't know German, but you know he got really hype. He got really hype about it. First of all, perfect German. And if you did not believe him, he would kill you. So, or if you did but not, but he listen. believed him. Yeah, Putin believes Putin. Mm-hmm. The, the whoever we think is bad believes that they are not bad. Yeah, I mean nobody's walking around being like, oh man. I'm so sorry about all this stuff that I did. Like nobody's really, and unless if, it's really tragic and and. And if I if I walk up to a person who is deep in faith, yeah. with that the underlying thought being this guy's a dipshit, <laughs> I'm I'm missing out well, on, that's, that's on so much. That's atheism, and it's not that you're a dipshit just because you believe in God, but they're they're looking at you like you're a dipshit for believing in God. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm missing out on what could be an incredible bit of texture to my otherwise bland life. Like, if it's just me in a room alone, it's very, very flat line. Well, one of the things, I don't go to church, mm-hmm. and I don't really have the desire. And people have asked me, do you want to go? And, and I've just said, no, you know, I sort of have my own relationship, you know. And I think it's it's just one of those situations where... Considering that we all have different experiences in every asset, I'll see one thing one way, you'll see it another way just because of how we grew up or whatever it is. Um, This is no different. And I think to go to a group setting, hearing the same person talk, and we're all interpreting this in our own way, I don't see how, sorry, I don't see how being in a group benefits um, people's relationships, which are like, like, let's say, for example, you and I know each other through Matt mm-hmm. and we're here doing this podcast. Um, but we could just as easily not be friends and only hang out with Matt on our own time, whatever you're, you live with him. So it's different. But what I'm saying is, is that it's a church has become this place where we all have to have the same idea of God especially, you know, like Christian church, Jewish church, whatever. And and we go there hearing something, and if one person interprets it one way and another person interprets it another way, there could be disagreement in the faith. And so my thing is that I never want to 
I never want anybody to try and preach to me for better, for lack of a better term, their interpretation as if it's correct and mine's not. And then I, and, and what I was saying about our friendships is that we could still be friends with Matt, you know, regardless of you and me and whoever else comes over for movie night or whatever, we can have our own relationship with him the same way people can with God. It's not in it to me. It's not important to have that group setting yeah. unless you want it. You know I like I mean? this episode because this is the one where uh, Matt Burns was finally just uh, compared to God. <laughs> well, if 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 any human can get close, uh, <laughs> there is one. It's the guy that used to put himself through tables. Yep. <laughs> so let's take this in another direction. Um, I don't know how how into politics you get. Or uh, I you get, probably try and stay away. I get fired up, but I keep my mouth shut because of the immigration. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get a reputation as a uh, as an antagonist. No, that's fine. So, well, but, but, well, so you know how the party, the Republican Party and the Trump administration sort of latched on to this sort of facet of religion and God and, and all. Like, I, I almost feel like... There's been a few times, I can't think of any examples, but where Trump has been like, God, um, I think he literally said, God, um, I'm the best president that God ever made, or what the heck did he say? I'll be the best president that God ever created. Or, I don't know what he said, but he he literally threw, like played that card for the sake of a that base was, that's pre- the, that oh, he was yeah, heaven like sent that that he's the fucking you know channel that we need to to God or something and like if if that isn't more wrong like he is not the 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 poster child of good behavior and moral no uh, no 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 but uh, and so it's it's really interesting how people would have faith and would. Um, live by these moral codes and then see someone like that and not be pissed off that he's, you know, being fraudulent about his faith. I mean, you know, because I don't think anybody lives the life that he did while at the same time being like, yeah, I'm doing the best I can as a human. And no, it is not. It is not a life of austerity that he has (laughs) lived this far thus far. As far as that goes, like I, at, at the end of the day, I just wish I wish we could all agree that he's not a very good president. Like take person, <laughs> like he's not a good person. I never liked him. I never, he's I never just, thought he was funny or entertaining on his, you know, uh, uh, The Apprentice or any of that stuff. None of this, nothing was he, ever good about him. But what in I mean, my opinion, what I'm saying is, we, I, I wish we could divorce. The the figurehead from the charisma, uh-huh. which some people find to be exceedingly high with Trump, and others find it to be in the negative billions with Trump. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with was with Obama. Just I think folks like you and sure. me were on the side that he's got the charisma, he's got the X factor. But there were people, as we are learning now, that hated him mm-hmm. at a marrow level because the they same, thought he was a fraud. The same way that you and I talk about Trump, mm-hmm. like we talk about him as a fraud. I mean, you just. Gave me the how can Christians 
look at this this fraud and see him as a man of faith or that that he's somebody worthy how can they believe a word that comes out of his mouth that's what i mean you just that's exactly what i'm saying because he's not even convinced the shoe's on the other foot now the only person he's convincing is himself and the only people that like share his beliefs are the ones that need to in order to keep their job (laughs) but we we thought Obama was a good president because his charisma spoke to us. And there are people who think that Trump is a bad pres or is a good president because his charisma speaks to them. But to you and me, it doesn't. It doesn't register a, the slightest blip on our radars as anything but but disgusting. And what I'm what I'm yeah. campaigning for is that uh, we take that disgusting or beautiful out of the equation completely. Sure. That Obama wasn't charismatic. Like we we don't get. I I don't want to measure Trump for how repugnant I find him as a person in the same way that uh, my measurements of Obama as a good president because I find him charming are invalid to the people who don't find him charming. Yeah. Uh, and I wish we could all get past the charisma of these these things and just agree that Obama was better at diplomacy, better at pushing legislation through, than Donald Trump is. I don't think he's good at international or domestic diplomacy, and I don't think he's good at pushing legislation through. And if those, if you take charisma out of it, if those are the measures of what a president should be doing, is acting as a global diplomat and moving laws forward, I wish we could all agree that he's just not an effective president well, and move self- on. So he says he's for the people. He says America first, but he's selfish. So he's... I think a lot of the things that Obama pushed for were, how can I help? Yes. And with him, it's, how can I make this, how, how can I make me happier? <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you at all. You I don't know? disagree with you at all. And, and the same thing is happening now with, with AOC. That when I, like, I love her style. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it. I think that she gets a lot of flack just because she's a woman. And it, and it's like, wow, oh, that fucking bitch should shut yeah. up. It's like, if that was a man, she would be more beloved based on the fact that she's not a woman. And yes. I think that when women, and and this goes back to the election, you know, I've always said that if Hillary wasn't a woman, she would have had a way better chance. And people are like, oh, it has nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman. I'm like, oh, no, it has. There's so many people that, that are not ready. To, to have a woman be in charge. They're not ready to listen to a woman speak all the time on things that men have always spoken on, on all the time in this country. And and when you start to see that, it, you know, even if your your lightest reaction is that you're just a little uncomfortable by it, still that's a good enough reason not to vote for her, you know? And despite the criminality and all the stuff they said she did wrong and she's corrupt and part of the problem that's been going on for years whatever your affliction is with hillary clinton i guarantee you that those uh seventy thousand or eighty thousand votes that she lost the electoral college by in certain states could easily be that the, the deciding factor was they just didn't want a woman you know what i mean well also i think um that we are hopefully i'm right on this call and of course we're 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 talking we're talking weather when we should be talking climate mm. when i say things like this but i i i feel that's like that's funny that you said it like that 
I feel like we as a nation, oh, and I hope it continues, I hope it's the climate, not just the weather, yeah. uh, that, that we are becoming disillusioned with dynasties. Um, nothing would have been more boring to me than Jeb Bush oh, on a God. ticket against Hillary Clinton. Like oh, Hillary Clinton's God. from a from a, 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 a political legacy. Bush is from a political legacy. Right. And, and so I find that like nothing, I, I, I hope that the country reflects my feelings that we're not in the mood for a dynasty. Yeah. Uh, and I think that helped Trump a lot was that totally he, he was not part of a dynasty. And if you, if you imagine what Bernie would have been on the other end, it, it's essentially that the antithesis of Trump is Bernie, but not in the, in the, in the, in the sense that they're on opposite sides of a lot of issues, but they're a lot alike in the fact that they're not Republican or Democrat. They're yeah. independent. And Trump just didn't want to call himself independent because he wouldn't have got elected. Yes, yes. You know, he had to join the R, Bernie had to join the D, and then it just so happens that the, <laughs> you know, the, like a lot of people were ready to try a woman and... You know, I, I don't know. We, we could talk that. about there's the, all that the hokey the, stuff, yeah, yeah, the DNC and everything. Yes, right. then there's all that too. I don't think anything would have been more fascinating in American politics in my lifetime than seeing Bernie and Trump debate. Well, you're gonna see it. That's I would love to. I don't see how there's any way that any of these other nominees beat Bernie, and if they do, I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna win. I, not to say Bernie's got a shot. A better shot than anyone else. He's definitely very old, and a lot of people factor that in. I want a new hip guy, but but he does. While he does attract hip, like young yeah, crowds, yeah. Um, typically someone like Better O'Rourke is getting more positive publicity just based on the fact that he's like. Thank you for fucking being here. You know, he like he like curses and is like trying to be down with the young crowd. And and I think in a sense, trying to mimic what Trump's doing on the other side. Here's the thing: that's the stupidest strategy in the world. You cannot bottle lightning the way Trump bottles lightning. <laughs> Nobody can. Yeah, he's actually pretty good at something. And watching <laughs> other Republicans try to follow his scripts and get the same reaction, and seeing them like flame out on on his. When, when you just bite his style, mm. it does not work. It doesn't work. And especially when you've been naysaying the guy, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like a different person is, is inside of your body being, yeah. like, you know, I actually quite like the guy now and I was wrong about him and all this stuff. Like it's somewhere along the line, he, he was in a room and he's like, listen, if you all just stop fighting within the party, like we'll seem stronger and then mm -hmm. all the fighting that's going on on the left side will seem weaker and everybody will get what they want. So just please don't oppose me on these things anymore. Just bite your tongue, whatever. I don't think he it's, said it no, that no. way, but I'm but pretty sure that they're being bribed or something. How the Republican Party has fallen into step with this obvious disaster for our country. Like it just, it's... Our current behavior is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. We are at the nadir of our addiction and we're like, we need rehab as a nation. All right. What was the dumbest mistake or sneakiest thing you've done on set? On set? Yeah. What'd you get away with? Oh my gosh. Well, the, the thing that 
the first thing that comes to mind is, um, oh God, I'm throwing myself under the bus here. Excellent. Uh, I'm a member of SAG-AFTRA, mm-hmm. but I also will work non-union <gasps> because, you know, God forbid there's ever a money shortage. I think working non-union is better than not working at all. But like, you're allowed to. They have... So they they say you're allowed to in the sense that they'll be like, if you call for a post and they see that you're SAG after, they'll be like, are you okay working non-union? And you say yes. And then they're like, okay, here's your details or whatever. And then and you get so paid the, non-union so, rates, right? Right. Okay. And so the casting is fine with it. But sag after, while they don't enforce working mm-hmm. non-union background as much as they would anything else, like a commercial or something like that, they they will if they find out, they'll still possibly penalize you for it. I don't really know anyone that's ever gotten caught doing it. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm so but but anyway, I was on set and a lot of the times I when I work non-union, I'll still have my SAG card in my pocket just in case I go to a crafty and they're like, sorry, SAG only or something. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll pull it out and be like, I'm good, you know. And and well, it's just the catering people. It's not even like, or the crafty people. It's not even anyone that would sign me out at the end of the day or anything. Well, this one particular day, I had, uh, I was non-union and it was a huge cattle call. Mm-hmm. And we had like multiple lines of signing in and out and everything like that. And, we, and it was so, um, it was so tight knit. It was a movie. We had to give our phones up. And throughout the day, we would go back to where our holding was in some lunchbox. And if we wanted to, we'd go up to the PA, get our phone, turn it on, check stuff, turn it off, put it back in the envelope or whatever. And in doing that, I missed the announcement on set Mm -hmm. that all SAG can go to lunch now. Because it had something to do with not wanting them there for overtime or something. So they sent all the SAG people to lunch first and then... Uh, all the non-union people would eat later or whatever because the meal penalties or whatever it was. Um, and so the I'm, I'm in holding on my phone looking and the like main PA girl who I know, who like I've worked with before goes, oh, how come you're not uh, at lunch? All the union people went, like, weren't you there? And I was like, oh, and I didn't want to be like, well, I'm non-union today. Mm-hmm. You know, for some reason, my mind went right to, Oh, where do, where do I go? And she was like, here, a shuttle van, I'll take you there, blah, 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 blah. So then she's, she, she sees me as a SAG person. I got to eat lunch early and I, you know, was sneaky in the fact that I, I lied. And at the end of the day, when we had to get our phones back, uh, she was the one signing us out. And so obviously she's going to see my blue voucher and it's going to be weird. And I'm going to have to explain myself because she actually got in trouble for not having had all the union people go to lunch. Mm-hmm. So she was like, oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble. You better go. Like before I and, and so for that reason alone, I was like, oh, man, she's going to hate me when I sign out or whatever. But then uh, because there were so many lines signing out, all I did was just get in the furthest one and then just like pretend I was on the phone and like blocked my, her vision of me being in that non-union sign out line, you know, whatever. I don't know. That's one of the, the sneakiest things get, just because. Get the fuck out of my house, yeah, you animal. I'm such an asshole. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I've heard of, I've heard of people. Shut up. <laughs> Do not. This is my podcast. Okay. Jesus Christ. Oh, this is actually a pretty good topic. Um, 
Way to cast shade on every other card in the bowl. <laughs> what have we got? Yeah, fuck all these cards. How are we feeling about Bitcoin? Let me see that. Whose was that? It was Lars. Oh, okay. Welcome to the party, Lars. <laughs> how do you, how how are we feeling about how are you feeling about Bitcoin? Um I don't want anything to do with it. I think it's a it's like it's like it's like a bank for your money where you can just go there one day and it'll all be gone. <laughs> and it can also you could be rich one day, but like it's something that if you didn't get into it within the first couple of years and then like when it like skyrocketed in value, got out, mm-hmm. it's just an everyday gamble. And I don't think that it's smart. You know what I mean? Like, and also what, what happens if tyranny strikes and they just want to like shut down our money, you know, or like some, how do you get people to do what you want them to do? You threaten their money, right? I mean, that's one. It is. Here's where I'm at Bitcoin. uh, Wall Street was like, yo, 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 we have the most (laughs) coked up pretend finances in the history of the human species where nothing is real and everything is pretend and it will grow forever. And then some tech company was like, Hold my beer. Yeah, hold my beer. And by Check the way, this $5,000 is one half Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. So you don't even have a whole Bitcoin yet. But we just made that up. <laughs> yeah. And then and then oh. the world was like, so what value are you bringing? What, what is the value that is this, this is all based on? And they're like, and well, it well, changes how, every day. And it depends on where you live and all this other shit. And we base our value <laughs> on how much electricity it takes to make this pretend money. Oh, my God. There is no, it does nothing but burn resources. Cryptocurrency has no value outside of destroying the planet. It is based on, uh, on electricity powering a processor. That electricity <laughs> comes from nuclear, gas, coal, whatever it is. Just annihilating the planet is converted into pretend money that is worth infinity the minute somebody says it's worth infinity. So... Uh, now that you think about it, I, I remember getting back to poker playing. Uh, mm-hmm. There's this site that I played I love Bitcoin. Online. That's what I was trying to say is I love Bitcoin. You, Please you continue. Like Bitcoin. <laughs> I think it's the coolest. Um, there was this site. I'm not going to say it, but uh, I was playing on there and I went to go cash out. And, you know, these things take so long. It's coming from another country because it's not like legal here or whatever. So you might get your check in like 25 days or something. But they say uh, something like 10 to 15 business days or something like that. But then they bombard you with emails and they're like, but if you try Bitcoin as a cash Mm -hmm. out option, it will be overnight. You'll get the money the next day and blah, blah, blah. And they're just pushing this and pushing this and pushing this. And I'm saying to myself, is a site that's designed to take your money that's pushing this yeah, on you yeah, 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 yeah. really? Do like, they have it, my best interests exactly. in mind? Exactly. I'm like, no thanks. I'll wait as long as it takes. You know, like, I don't want anything to do with this because tomorrow my money could be half of what it was today and I had nothing to do with it. See, that's a glass half empty. Tomorrow it could be worth 10 times what you got oh, it for. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> it's uh, scary though. What person, living or not, would you want to spend the day with and why? Man, 
Why don't you answer that first and I'll think about my answer for a second. Uh, my grandfather, he's dead. Miss him. Would love to spend a day with him and just like bring him up to speed on what's been going on and hear his thoughts hmm. on what, what being dead is like. <laughs> Living or not. Second on the list, Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. Um, you know what? I don't know if this is exactly number one on my list, but the first name that came to mind would be Chris Farley. I, I mean, that guy was just everything to me when he died. And I just remember it being a celebrity death that like really affected. Like I cried, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I think that today, the way that comedians kind of make a translation over to drama, if they can act, you know, mm-hmm. I think he, he could be, he could have done anything. Any role, because even in the dramatic parts of his comedies, he was always great. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know. As far as like, just hanging out with a cool, funny dude that I used to like idolize and stuff, that would be my guy. That's dead anyway. Now, here's my first thought on that: is you got 24 hours with him, guaranteed 24 hours with Chris Farley. Yeah. Would you go on a, like the most the coke bender, man? The, okay. Okay. So you're right there with <laughs> no, me. No, I've never done coke. I've never. But just to that. see how, like, because no. he could do infinity no. drugs in that time, guaranteed 24 hours, and at uh, I might smoke some pot okay. with him or something. But I'm not gonna. I don't want to see him like that. And I, knowing what happens to him, I wouldn't want to. Yeah. Because yeah, you don't get him back once he starts. Well, not only that. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, people are at their worst. It's not yeah. like I like Chris Farley, the crazy drug addict. It was I like Chris Farley, the the roles he plays, the personality he has in interviews, et cetera. And whether or not he was fucked up for all that, we yeah, don't know. Yeah. But, like, at least he was acting like he wasn't. And, you know, a lot of times when we have celebrity crushes or whatever you want to call it uh, uh, you're basing it on the characters they're playing anyway they could be total pieces of shit in real life but I just you know from what we hear and how he was don't think that's the case you know uh, okay what was something you were obsessed with when you were seven years old Danny Elfman Danny Elfman <laughs> oh, really? Elfman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the like Beetlejuice and Batman and all that, mm-hmm. all the music really. Uh, Batman was the first movie I went to in the theater excited for the score because I'd been watching Beetlejuice and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, and wow. I remember going to see it and being like, this is it. I'm going to hear a Danny Elfman score in a theater. And then that That's music crazy. strikes up at the beginning. And I was like through the moon. I never thought in those terms when watching movies until much later. Like, oh, this has a good score. I just, you know, it was just actors. That's all I could think no, about. No, no, no. The opening credits, I was like, I knew I knew we were going to get something special. Danny Elfman, he always gives you a good opening credit theme. I'm trying to think what I was obsessed with. So second grade, if anything, I guess maybe the, the sports, the Eagles. I don't know. I was really into Karate Kid. I don't know. You can dig out. Yeah. You don't have to have been obsessed with something when you were seven. Yeah. That's a little too young to be obsessed about anything. (laughs) What do you think of cultural appropriation and how would you describe it to people who don't know about it? Cultural appropriation is good. (laughs) (laughs) You should do it more. And if you don't know about it, Google search. Google search. Okay. 
<laughs> Your turn. I want to know who wrote that question. It's not Mark. That's why I've started doing asking oh, people okay. to mark their questions because it does help. Oh, a nice yellow one down the bottom. I can't read this. What are some of the most inspirational films you have seen All right. and why? Karate Kid's off the menu. Back to the Future is off the menu. Give give us the, the next two or three on your list. Uh, Forrest Gump, Braveheart, and Pulp Fiction. And the reasons why are because they're my favorite movies. And, well, three of the five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Forrest Gump was inspirational to anyone that's ever been an underdog, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly. He did everything and nobody gave him any chance, you know? And I think that that message, just kind of this dumb idiot floating around, accidental lack on a breeze, you know? Like, I just think that, that that's, anyone can look at that story and be inspired. Braveheart, more so for how they made the film mm-hmm. and everything that it entailed as far as, wardrobe and production design and all that stuff. I just feel like when you look at that film and you hear the score and you, you see all the crazy scenes and, and everything, you know, I don't know. It's just an epic film. In yeah, my opinion. Yeah. And one can aspire to create such beauty, even though it was Mel Gibson. I still, you know, and Pulp Fiction just cause it's fun as hell. Yeah. And, and just because I think it, it was the first time that we ever really had this sort of playful dialogue that didn't mean shit to the actual film. It was just these little like nuances that mm-hmm. you got to quit. Like, like, what do you mean you gave him a foot massage? Like, no, like, you oh, can't yeah, give yeah, a foot. Yeah. That's not cheating. Blah, blah, blah. Like all these sorts of things that didn't really fall into play necessarily with the main plot. But they're just but, so damn fun to, to be a part of that. But it really that took exchange. dialogue in movies in a different inspira- like in, mm-hmm. in a different direction, you know? Now there's more and more of that. Are we good? Oh, yeah, we're good. Um, that concludes thoughts? our... Oh, you're, uh, you're shutting it down. Well, I, <laughs> I could talk for days and days, but my final thought is this. Do you want some music? Um, I, I want to say that when I gave you that answer about the best advice I've ever gotten... Punching people in the face is not the best advice that I've ever gotten. Um, so don't think that I'm advising you, ladies and gentlemen, to punch people in the mouth when they talk shit. I was just simply saying that you need to stick up for yourself. Don't let anyone get over on you. Because you never know when today could be your last. <laughs>